it was hard at first and there was a lot of even just terminology that people assume everyone knows what they're talking about you know I was like huh what's that you know yeah yeah (laughs) Um, it took me a while and I think you know sometimes I felt like a real dinosaur Howdy, who folks, and welcome to the In Search of Adventure show. I'm your host, Peter D, and I'm coming to you from the Adventure Club Room, where we reignite your curiosity for an extraordinary life, making sure you have all the skills in place to take back control of your own story. This episode, our action hero guest, Lisa Merton, made the courageous decision to close her couture wedding gown business and retrain for an entirely new career in graphic design. She did this when she was in her mid forties. And so Lisa very frankly shares the highlights as well as, you know, the challenges of going back to university as a mature age student and how things then progressed once she finished her degree. I think so many of us are really curious about a new career, but we fear how difficult that process might be as we get older. So I was really excited when Lisa agreed to come on the show. So let's dive in, shall we? Well, I am very excited to have our next guest with us. Um, welcome, Lisa Merton. Thank you so much for joining us on the show. <laughs> no worries, Peter. Great to be here. <laughs> and we haven't spoken for a long time. Now, I need to confess to all of the uh, the lovely pod people, as my husband calls the audience <laughs> out there, um, because uh, I should confess that Lisa actually, she and I met uh, some years ago when she designed my wedding gown. That's right. So for all we haven't spoken to each other for some time, there was a <laughs> there was a little while there where she probably knew me far more intimately than some other people do. Yeah. <laughs> Certainly in right. a measurement sense. <laughs> but yeah, we had a great time and um yeah, your gown looked amazing. And we had a bit of extra fun, didn't we, during we, the time that I was we, making your gown? We did I'd completely <laughs> forgotten about that. Yeah. Lily and Chin. Yeah, you should share <laughs> I mean it's completely off topic, but you should share yeah. that because it was quite <laughs> random and amazing. Yeah. yeah, well it's funny because um, that show is now being repeated on SBS and not I haven't seen our episode yet yep. but I'm hoping that it'll pop up but um, they're playing all the old series so you never know we might just be back on TV soon. Lovely name of the series is? Fashionista. Fashionista. FBS, yeah Lee Lin Chin's Fashionista yep. and um, it's currently on iView or whatever they're you know their um, online thing is but um yeah i can't remember what season we were i have a feeling it was season three and i think they're replaying season one and two at the moment so Ooh, so we'll have to wait yeah. <laughs> yeah i loved it and it's what i loved about meeting her was there's often an instance where you've seen somebody from afar like on tv or movies or things like that yeah yep. and when you meet them they're actually nowhere near as interesting and unusual as they seem if anything she's more interesting and unusual yeah that's right she was so quirky and she was as sharp as a tack and she had such a massively broad knowledge of fashion so yeah it was it was great to meet her and to be able to be in such close contact with her exactly exactly (laughs) well then let's talk about uh how that all happens so that was with culture shock which was your business um so tell us a bit more about culture shock 
Yeah, so um, I worked in the fashion industry for 25 years. Mm-hmm. The last 10 years of that 25-year period, I had my own business. Yeah. And that was called Culture Shock Bridal, and it actually evolved into Culture Bridal Couture during that time. So it had yep. two different names, but the essence of Culture Shock was inspiration from around the world and using different cultures to inspire one-off custom-made wedding gowns. Yep. So I was really inspired by, like, Japanese kimonos, beautiful Indian saris, you know, silks from Thailand, Mm. things like that. And, um, you know, French laces and any sort of multicultural aspect that I could incorporate into a wedding gown design. Yeah. Um, And I made one-off gowns. So I didn't, um, you know, mass market anything. Everything was like a one-off couture gown made just for that one bride. Um, Yeah. yeah. And it was, um, it's so interesting because a part of me actually dreaded embarking on the whole wedding dress process and it's because I never imagined myself in the typical gown you know so I just never big white poofy you know know, traditional traditional top of the toilet roll yeah yeah yeah. Yeah. and that was that was what I was very intentionally trying to avoid all the time so I never wanted to go down that route because there was plenty of businesses that did that plenty of wedding dress designers of all different price ranges you know, local, international. So that's why at the time my sort of idea was to do something different that no one else was doing and to really be like a, a unconventional or alternative wedding dress designer. Yeah. yeah. And yeah, I did that for 10 years and it was wonderful. I met so many beautiful people like yourself. Um, and I really, you know, I loved every minute of it. But it came to the point where after 10 years, I sort of thought, you know, I've done as much as I can do. I've taken it as far as I can without taking massive risks in borrowing lots of money off a bank to expand it to the next level. And uh, my partner who works in banking and finance, um, you know, the the GFC kind of happened, you know, 2007, 2008, 2009. I just remember thinking at that time, you know, I'm breaking even here, but I'm not really making a big profit. And do I want to do this for another 10 years? And based on the financial aspects of it, I decided that I'd had a good run and I'd had lots of fun, but it was time to do something else. So I think for other people that have had their own business, I think it can be a, it's such a difficult decision to make. And I think people assume it happens to people due to a lack of success. Whereas I'm not sure you could measure any of your, you know, your time. I mean, you were yeah. designing, weren't you designing gowns? Was it a Miss Universe contest? Miss Australia. Right? Yeah, Miss, Austra- Miss World Australia Miss it was. Australia. Yeah. Oh, right. And I did two of them for two years and yeah. that was fantastic because my gowns were being seen literally on TV, you know, six million worldwide viewers and all of that. And yeah. that was great. You didn't get paid for any of it, by the way. It was, all- <laughs> <No>. <laughs> but that was okay because I got a lot of exposure. Sure. Um, yeah, and on a much smaller scale, you know, I used to get a lot of my brides featured in the Sunday papers and things like that, which yeah. was fantastic because it really got lots of word of mouth out there. Yeah, it does. And so I think it's a it's a realisation that sometimes something's just run its course, hasn't it? It doesn't yeah. mean it's bad. It's just yeah. run its course. That's right. And I could have kept going for another 10 years, but I just felt like I feel I, I felt like I was ready to do something new, to learn something new. And yeah. also I started to feel like, doing things with your hands, you know, my pop, my grandfather always said to me, you'll never make any money doing something with your hands, you know, it's got to be with the brain. And after a while I thought, if I can do something with technology, learn new stuff, you know, get into technology rather than just working with my hands, um, that's something that can, you know, go on into my future. Um, If I move overseas, you know, my partner, there was a possibility he was going to be transferred to Hong Kong 
And then we were thinking, well, you know, if we have to move, could my business, my wedding dress business move to Hong Kong? It could have, but I don't know, maybe. But then that's when graphic design started to really interest me. And I thought I could mix my new new graphic design skills with my existing fashion background. Yes. And then make something work out of combining those two. And yeah, that's what I'm doing now. (laughs) Well, and having having seen even just the sketches you would give, you know, give us when you were sort of talking about again, which I imagine a lot of people in that sort of role do. Like it's a, it's a part of the artwork, isn't it? That's right. Physical drawing. And sketching. Yeah, exactly. Was that something you were doing anyway? Was there other art that played in the background while you had the business? Not, not so much, but in my childhood and um, as a teenager, I was a very keen artist. So I used to paint a lot of murals, um, large scale murals um, and just do a lot of painting and drawing. And I mean, you know, going back to when I was a little kid at preschool, like I would just sit and draw for hours and drawing and making pictures and creating scenes. That was always something I was really drawn to. And was it actually, because I realised I I missed the question I always start with because I just got so excited, (laughs) (laughs) which was what you wanted to be when you grew up. Was it literally an artist? Was that? It it was either an artist or a fashion designer. And that was from a very early age. Like, as you know, I remember being sort of four or five and just thinking, yeah, I'm an artist, (laughs) you know, and then it kind of evolved from being an artist into fashion. Once I got my hands on a sewing machine and learned how to sew, which was, I think when I was 11, 11 years old. Wow. Yeah. My mum got a sewing machine and then she got sick and she couldn't use it for a while. And so I taught myself how to sew on her machine, you know, in the lounge room. And then from that point on, I was like, oh, this is awesome. And um, I used to go to Vinnie's and buy yep. secondhand clothes and then alter them to fit me. Yep. And then once I got, you know, the hang of that, I would make fabrics, like paint fabrics and then make dresses and oh, you know, all sorts wow. of things. And then from there, it just evolved into, okay, now I'm going to be a fashion designer. <laughs> yeah. And did it ever, when you looked around at the other kids, because it's actually quite unusual to have a sense of what you wanted or a sense of at least the world you want to be in. Yeah, that's right. That's quite unusual. Did you ever look at the others and go, I don't know, I don't get why this is so hard. Like you guys, what you want to do? Yeah, I had, there was no doubt whatsoever what I wanted to do. And um, all my friends, yeah, they were pretty amazed because they had no idea. And, you know, most of them went to uni and, you know, funnily enough, if I look at all my friends, close friends careers now, they've had at least two careers, all of them. They've gone to uni, studied, psychology or whatever and then ended up in marketing or something (laughs) quite different um yeah yeah, and out of my sort of three or four best friends from high school at least three of them have gone back to uni in their 30s or 40s wow and it's interesting i do think uh, because i mean like yourself my career has evolved a lot and and there is a point i think when you start to learn there's an intersection of things like things don't have to be all one yeah that's it yes intersection of different skills or interests and that's actually when you can get to a really sweet like you can really oh now this is interesting yeah that's it like your transferable skills that you've built up over 25 30 years of your past career it's not like they're just going in the trash can not at all you're using all of that and put channeling it into your new path that you've chosen so yeah yeah, exactly i mean i love it it is and it's it can come it can really come and surprise you so i mean longer than 20 years ago actually now that i think about it when i was a kid (laughs) yeah i did dancing training right and so it was lots of it you know and so it's I sort of really only stopped in my early twenties. Um, yeah. We did a step and everything, and yeah. I stopped and I went to uni and you know and it, 
sort of yeah. grew up for never better expression, which is an awful, when I think now that's an awful way to look at it, you know, yeah. it's, it's like, <laughs> yeah. well, no, why couldn't you do both? But now yeah. I'm presenting, you know, yeah. as a speaker, yeah. all of the skills, yeah. all of the awareness of the, how you stand and modulating your yeah. voice, sorts of things come yeah. back now, you know, yeah. that's great. They might be sitting there latent. <laughs> yep. But, you know, all the skills can come to play. Totally. So when you wrapped up, culture shock yeah. was there already a kernel of a thought in your head or did you sort of wrap that up first and then take a bit of time how did that yeah. I definitely took a bit of time so when I decided to close my business so my business ran from 2001 to 2011 okay and in 2011 there was a few events that happened so um, unfortunately my landlord where I was renting my my work premises yeah. decided that he was selling and it you know coincided with the end of my lease so I had no choice but to find a new premises. And then I was thinking, you know, do I really want to sign another five-year commercial lease or three plus three or whatever? And yeah. I thought, no, I don't. So I managed to find somewhere a lot smaller for a very short-term lease. And that got me to thinking, I can actually get out of the business gradually right. by downsizing first and then gradually getting out. So, um, yeah, so it worked out really well because one of my employees decided that she wanted to start her own bridal business. Oh, fantastic. And so the small premises that I ended up renting, she took over the lease from me and she bought half my fabrics and my sewing machines and stuff. So it was the most perfect exit. And, oh, um, wow. Yeah, and it was really good. there now? Uh, no, she's not. She had a baby and moved her yeah, business okay. to working from home. So she's yeah, now working okay. from home. But um, at the time, it was just the most perfect timing for her and for me. Um, so it was a good way to kind of ease out. Um, yeah. Once I closed the doors and, and walked away, I had six months off um, nice. and I bought a big uh, iMac computer yep. thinking I was going to teach myself graphic design and I, I, soon, I soon discovered it was a bit harder than I thought um, <laughs> and that's when I started looking at um, courses and things you know and I just started thinking about it but at the same time I said to myself I'm going to have some time off clear my head um, I started doing a bit of volunteering um, yep. at a fashion um, charity dress for success which is yes. excellent in Merrickville it's fantastic and as I was kind of doing that volunteering and helping people you know a lot less fortunate it, that was really great for me at that point in time because actually closing my business it was a bit like a really bad breakup yes. you know like I did get a bit of depression and I got really sad because I felt like that was my identity that's who I was yeah and to to decide of my own doing to walk away from that I felt like I was leaving a you know someone that I was still in love with <laughs> so yeah. that was quite emotional for a while but um the time off and doing some volunteering and other things really worked well yeah I can imagine and yeah and then I started working part-time for a local fashion designer Yoshi Jones yes. who was in Newtown yeah yep. um she did Japanese inspired um garments so I went and saw her and I sort of said you know I love Japanese stuff too and I had a big collection of kimonos so I started making one-off pieces for her to sell oh, in her lovely. store and then I ended up working in her store <laughs> yeah. so that all kind of worked well so by the time I enrolled at TAFE which was I think the 2013 yep. is when I enrolled. By that time, I already had like a nice little sweet part-time job with Yoshi Jones and I was ready to start my next adventure. Nice. Yeah. And it's, um, it's interesting. I would imagine that, like you say, it's like a breakup with the business, isn't it? And, it, yeah. and it, you could be left with a sour, not a sour taste, but something like that for, some, yeah. for an area that you love so much, which is yeah. 
fashion. No, it's okay. so, yeah. and so to actually work in Dress Fix Success, and for, for those of you listening that don't know what that is, it's actually a charity that, um, you know, you can donate clothes to and then people, like women particularly, can get, a, like, say, a new suit for a job interview or something yep. like that. So it's helping That's right. used yep. fashion for confidence. That's so exactly I imagine right. that could sort yep. of bring a different... Um, yeah. feeling or emotion to fashion again for you. Absolutely, yeah, yeah. It all kind of fitted into place with my headspace of I still love fashion, I still want to be in the fashion industry, yeah. but I don't want to be using my hands and sitting on a sewing machine every day, you know? Yeah, <laughs> and absolutely. Sort of thinking more broadly about the fashion industry and what it means to different people was a really good sort of eye-opener for me. Yeah. I mean, people, I think, externally can judge creatives of being quite dramatic or weird. Yeah. Know, <laughs> drama 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 yeah. um, whereas actually you've made quite a, a sensible strategic exit like that's a really sensible way to step out um, yeah and yeah. I think a lot of people don't do that like when they feel like something's wrong they make these very quick judgmental decisions yeah that yeah. dump them in all sorts of other disaster they haven't thought yeah. of. you know yeah. it's not generally necessary there's often a way yeah, <laughs> yeah. You gradually um, absolutely get outcome even yeah. though the instinct is just rip the band-aid off yeah that's it yeah <laughs> so, i'm sure there was still a bit of drama here and there but it was a lot less painful than it could have been right <laughs> yeah exactly and probably gave you a bit more time to do a bit of that grieving yeah, that's right. Yeah, it was like grieving. It really was. Yeah. And then, um, yeah, once I made up my mind that I definitely wanted to study graphic design, um, that got me excited again. And that got me, you know, passionate about oh, learning something new. And then I started noticing graphic design everywhere. And yeah. graphic design is one of those funny things. Like sometimes you say to somebody, I'm a graphic designer and they go, oh, what, what is that? They don't know. But when you look around you, it, graphic everywhere. design is everywhere. It's on a box of tissues. It's on a wine bottle label. It's, yes. you know, it's on shopping bags. It's on everywhere. It's absolutely everywhere. It's digital as well, you know. Yes. It's on our TV screens. Like it's on absolutely. websites, everything. So, yeah, so learning about graphic design and what it is was, was fantastic because that got me sort of passionate about being creative again. Yeah. And did, how did you find the transition from something that's quite tactile yep. to something digital like that? Yeah, I'd imagine yeah. that was a bit of a transition that, too. That was, that was tricky. And because I'm not a digital native, as they say, you know, I didn't, you know, when I was a kid, there was no mobile phones or computers, you know? <laughs> yeah. So um, being at TAFE with all these 18 to 25 year olds that basically were natives in that respect, um, it was hard at first and there was yeah. a lot of even just terminology that people assume everyone knows what they're talking about. You know, I was like, huh, what's that? You know, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um, it took me a while. And I think, you know, sometimes I felt like a real dinosaur. Like I thought, oh, <laughs> what am I doing? You know, what, what, have, what have I done to myself? Because <laughs> this all, you were, you were in your 40s when you were in yeah, tape. So that's, that's right. a, so 43, I mean, 44. Right. Yeah. And so <laughs> for any of us learning, I mean, you know, once I reckon once you get past about 25, learning anything new feels, yeah. I'm not sure it's actually hard, but it feels hard, right? Yeah, yeah, it was hard. I did know a little bit of Photoshop, which right. I've done a few, you know, community college type, you know, courses. So yeah. I had very small skills in Photoshop, but I had never used Illustrator or InDesign before. Okay. Um, so the Adobe Creative Cloud or Creative Suite is yeah. what you use as a graphic designer. Yeah. And the three main programs are Photoshop, Illustrator and InDesign. Okay. So two out of those three I had never even seen before. I had no idea. So I really was starting from scratch. And, yeah, that was the hardest, feeling technology, tech, technology challenged, yep. technologically yep. challenged. Um, yep. That was the really hard thing. Yeah. And, and feeling like I was slow off the mark compared right. to my classmates. 
Yeah, but it I got over it. I was, I was about to say, because yeah. the hard thing, because in that moment, that's yeah. like the first day of school moment, which yeah. is horrible for everybody. Yeah, yeah. yeah it's like, oh, the age. I'm going to wee my pants here <laughs> if I'm not careful. <laughs> um, but I think what's interesting is I'd imagine there was over time, then once you actually got to, rather than just being mm. faces, young faces, you got to yeah. know some yeah. of the other students then yeah, yeah. Oh, you probably started to realize there's a whole lot of skills you had <laughs> that they did it. amongst them yeah that they were going to take another decade to get. absolutely so, yeah yeah I, yeah it was great once I started making a few friends and we helped each other out you know on different things it was it was fantastic yeah and yeah like you know even things like reading and understanding a brief so you get given a brief a creative brief yeah. as a designer and so obviously at TAFE our teachers would give us the brief for the week or for the fortnight mm -hmm. and I would sit there I'd read it really carefully take my time reading it and I'd think okay I know what they're asking for yeah. the, you know the kid next to me would be like I don't understand what it means you know and yeah. I would be able to explain that to them and then they could, you know, help me with some technology related thing. And it was like a sweet deal. Yeah, <laughs> it was really good. Absolutely. But yeah, yeah. But the other thing I have to say is the teachers at my TAFE were incredible. Yeah. They were really supportive of mature age students and okay. um, they, they were fantastic. So I never felt stupid in their eyes. You know, I always felt like they were really supportive and they took extra time out to really um, help me. So that was yeah. so much appreciated. Because <laughs> I think that they were probably thinking the same thing though, is that, well, you might not have these particular learnable skills, I might add. So the things you yeah. didn't have were just things you had to learn. That's right. Um, whereas they're probably yeah. banging their head against a wall sometimes. Yeah. <laughs> Other things that are going to take a lot longer for their students to learn yeah, because it's yeah. life experience so they're probably yeah, a bit right. relieved it's like yeah. this problem i can <laughs> yeah. solve that's it yeah exactly <laughs> yeah so yeah. which TAFE did you go to so i went to enmore tafe which yep. is known as the design center enmore dce okay. um fantastic it's um i can't speak highly enough of it it's one of the best regarded um graphic design you know, learning um, destinations in Sydney. Yeah. Um, and it used to be one of the cheapest, <laughs> but <laughs> sadly, TAFE has really put up their prices in the last couple of years. Wow, okay. So when I went, it was very affordable. Yep. Now it's almost as much as some of the private schools like Billy Blue and places like yeah, that. Okay. Still a little bit cheaper, but not as much. But yeah. I would still, you know, if I had anyone ask me my opinion, I would say go to, go to Enmore TAFE if you can. It's fantastic. Yeah. Great teachers. You know, they've got all the latest, um, you know, computers and, and all of that. And they really take the time and work you, th you know, through every step of the way. It's great. Which is amazing. And I think um, I'd imagine as a designer now, so with your background, you know, yep. life experience, but also th the experience of sitting alongside that age group. Yes, yes. <laughs> is a rare insight, right? It Most is. of us are not going to get that. And so to have yeah. a window into that. Yeah, yeah. Um, and to even be able to to look at future work you're doing and yeah. give feedback on a brief and go, look, yeah, I right. think that's how they think. But <laughs> yeah, it's not. <laughs> yeah. Well, actually, even though I didn't know it at the time, it prepared me for my workplaces after TAFE because right. when I went to work for various businesses as a graphic designer, I was yeah. working alongside people of that age group, you yeah. know, around their mid-20s, you yeah. know, 20s, early 30s, but mostly in their 20s. So yeah. if I hadn't got to know that age group through my TAFE classes two years full-time yeah. I think I would have struggled being put into a workforce working alongside people of that age group um, because I, after you have your own business for 10 years you know I employed six or seven people but they were older and yeah. also yeah they just they weren't 
really super young like that. So they yeah. weren't into that kind of stuff. Yes. And yeah, it, it really prepared me well for, for what I'm doing, you know, now and the teams that I end up working in these days. Yeah. yeah and probably the adjustments you needed to yeah. make. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. But it's also um, like diversity in employment yes. is really important and it, you know, both ways, like, you know, thinking about older people as well as thinking about younger people and trying to find common ground between all of that. Yeah. Yeah. It's and it's important because um, it's, well, <laughs> to say it's important is almost understating it, right? Like it's, <laughs> yeah. it should always have been like that. Yeah, that's but I right. think always looking at, you know, also looking at it from a commercial perspective, it's important because I think yep. part of the reason a lot of things don't resonate now is because, yep. you know, diversity doesn't exist in an industry. I mean, mine that's is a perfect right. example, financial service. Yep. Yeah, um, I remember getting an award for uh, being a female advisor, and that was wonderful. But you know, they were talking about you know we're making inroads and in bringing more women, and I'm looking out in this audience, and there's probably only three, two or three racial backgrounds in that room out of the ninety that are represented in our country. Wow. <laughs> yeah. Like, okay, women may be one element of diversity, but there's yes. a lot of work to do. <laughs> you know, folks, this is um, absolutely and and diversity of thought. Yeah, um, is is really important, and I think wonderful really. things can come out of that. Yeah, absolutely. Know? And I would imagine design's the same. It's the same. I mean, in graphic design, you're designing things that people use in their everyday life. So you yeah. might be working on packaging, for example, you know, a milk carton or a you know fast food item or whatever. Um, but you're also, you know, you might be designing websites for people to look at health resources or you know insurance or whatever. So you really are dealing with clientele of all age of all ages that are going to be looking at your artwork yeah. and that you, you want it to speak to them and make sense to them and attract them to buy that product or service at the end of yeah. the day. So yeah, it, I think you have to understand, you know, not everyone has the exact same taste level that you do. No, <laughs> you know? no, yeah. absolutely. Or interests. Yeah. Or interests. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. I have to admit there's an element of advertising that's always been a bit of a mystery to me, which is perfume advertising. Oh yes. The stuff that got like the Johnny Depp <laughs> yeah. ad, you know, with the weird, like I'm, <laughs> My logical brain simply yeah. cannot assimilate what's yeah. coming out of the TV. Like I just, there's other stuff where I can go, oh, that's clearly not targeted at me. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's clear. Whereas <laughs> I'm not sure who that stuff is. Yeah, yeah. Some of it's on another level altogether. Right? Exactly. I guess. Yeah, I guess it's part of a fantasy thing. You know, like must because be. you know you love Chanel, but you can't afford a twenty thousand dollar Chanel handbag or suit yes. but you can afford the $150 perfume so yes. you know I'll go buy that and spray it all over myself and feel like I'm being transported <laughs> into you know <laughs> Paris or something exactly, exactly. yeah but yeah, yeah it's dreams cool. it's about selling fantasy and dreams really. it is, it? It is. <laughs> yeah and so how did it feel when you, so you finished TAFE, so that was two years? Yep. Uh, yes, two years full-time, so 2013 and 2014. Okay. And did they make any sort of work experience part of that? Like was Not there a... really, but they, we didn't have compulsory work experience, right. um, not at the course that I did. Yep. Um, I think some of the private ones do that, but um, in more TAFE it wasn't compulsory. Um, however, the teachers who were fantastic, one of the teachers had a contact that he introduced me to, mm -hmm. so literally my last week of TAFE when we were doing our final graduate show I actually got a job and started that week and had to take a few days off the last week of my TAFE so I could start wow how I was really lucky yeah so you know the job itself wasn't that exciting but the fact that I was working and getting paid as a graphic designer literally yeah. the same week I finished was just fantastic yeah. um and yeah that was a like a part-time um you know, job, uh, freelance job that lasted, okay. you know, through till 
I think the January or the February of the following year. Yep. And then from there, I got a series of other jobs that were all, you know, great experience. Mm-hmm. Um, they weren't, one of them wasn't in the fashion industry. One was, but it was okay. a bit of a nightmare. <laughs> <laughs> it was one of those jobs that you wish you hadn't done. But at the same time, I learned a lot. Yeah. But, um, and then from there, I went to work for a marketing company. Um, so I had a series in my first year out of TAFE, I had a series of about three or four different jobs at okay. three or four different places. Because, and that was um, sort of like specific term. For yeah, like year. three months here, three yeah, months okay. there. And, you know, at first I was a bit unsettled by that because yeah. in the fashion industry I always had long-term jobs, you know, yeah. two or three years here, four years there, four yeah. years in another place. So suddenly I was like, oh, this is a bit weird. But that seems to be how the graphic design industry is. And right. now that I'm used to it, I really enjoy it. So having... the variety um, must be... Yeah, yeah. yeah. So... And what happens is you tend to get contract roles as a freelancer. And yep. basically if they like you and they like your work and your design aesthetic fits with what they're looking for, yeah. then they might offer you, you know, a longer contract or a full-time job. Yeah. Okay. So that seems to be the way the industry works from my yeah. experience. And yeah. I think that's good. You know, it's, yeah. there's strengths there for me as well as for them. Yes. Um, so for me, if I, th- if I do that job for a two month contract and think, Oh, this is boring. Yeah. I don't want to work here anymore. Off yeah. I go and I find yes. something else. Whereas, you know, if I love it, then I'll, you know, chat to them and say, Hey, I'm really loving this. You know, can we talk about something longer term? Yeah. yeah, it's really good. Yeah, it's a good way to work. And it's an interesting having, you know, actually utilize graphic designers. It is a very, mm-hmm. I mean, the word briefing someone, he doesn't even quite <laughs> describe because, yeah. you know, the yeah. schmuck like me that doesn't have a creative bone in my body is trying to describe yeah. to you what they want and they're hopeless yeah. at it because they don't have yeah. any of your artistic yeah. skills <laughs> to describe such a thing. And yeah. so the, the meet, like you say, when you can connect with, either a group or an individual where that yep. vibes, where that, yep. there's just an yep. understanding or a common interest or a yeah. something that, yeah, that helps right. that connection and that communication. I'd imagine that can feel really good when that works. Yeah, it's really good. And especially if it kind of aligns with your own aesthetic, your own yeah. kind of what you like in design as well. Yeah. Um, because as a graphic designer, you know, you can't force your taste or your certain style onto, you know, businesses. Like yeah. it's up to them, you know, what they yeah. want. So, yeah. um, you know, the, the, usually the best way to, find out what they want is to get them to show you examples from competitors or other businesses you know I like this style I like that style I like this font whatever it might be and from that you then try and create something original but based on what they like as a feel in fact and I've I've started um including when it particularly when it's a new person that haven't worked with before a big list of things I don't like like it's not because I don't want you to do this but it gives them a a good sense because if you're not good at describing something then sometimes the no's are as informative as the essence absolutely (laughs) (laughs) I think that's excellent (laughs) it's also about communication like everything it's about communication so the client communicates what they want to you you ask lots of questions you know you might start with a few little things and say hey is this what you mean and they'll be like oh my god I love it yes yeah. or they'll be like uh no and then you sort of go back to okay show me examples of what you like yeah and off you go yeah I would imagine your background of dealing with brides you know who yes. are caught up in their emotional <laughs> yes. process that, that is and yeah. having the patience to deal with that has got to add yes. a whole lot of value in yes clients that really helps and you know the <laughs> Brides that want the Oscar de la Renta level yeah. but for the Kmart price, you know, exactly. <laughs> and being able to say, well, you know, depending on how much you want to spend and, yeah. you know, time yeah. is money. So for clients, you know, it's like, well, you know, I could 
do what you're asking for, but that will take four times the amount of time that this will take, you know. So being practical as well, yeah. Yeah. Um, But, yeah, my my previous experience with brides and mother of the brides as well (laughs) (laughs) has become invaluable (laughs) in dealing with clients in in the graphic design field. And there's a... There's got to have been in both fields this unrealistic expectation. I know I've chatted mm. to, um, you know, a young bride and they're showing me in a magazine the sort of thing yeah. they love and I'm yeah. looking at, at the outfit and the person wearing it in the magazine and yeah. I'm looking at them and I'm thinking, yeah. you yeah. are gorgeous, but you're yeah. not that type of gorgeous. Yeah. You need to find your own gorgeous. Yeah, <laughs> I don't know if that will suit you. Yeah. Exactly. You know, yeah. so that you create, yeah. and, and I think people, you know, businesses can be like that with design. They can, yeah. Yeah, but what I really want is and they, yeah. they want something that probably cost a does you know a design house two million to deliver because it involved yeah. background research and what you know like yeah. and a team yeah. of 20 and yeah mm. <laughs> yeah i think with every kind of design simplicity can be key and to start yeah. with something simple but beautiful and then develop it from there which is exactly the same with the wedding dress you know start yeah. with something fairly simple and then embellish it once you've got the fit right and the right yeah. fabric and the right mood yeah and really like a lot of what i think about fashion design is very transferable to graphic design and yeah, yeah you really feel like yes you know to start off with something simple and clean, you know, in, in graphic design, you know, clean design is really popular now and yeah. it works, you know, it's uncluttered, it's not confusing, you know, um, the messages that you're trying to speak about for whatever product or service you're yeah. designing for, having a beautiful, simple, clean design and then embellishing it once, you know, once that's been approved. Yeah, yeah that's that's the key to it. And certainly um, I've, I've noticed with the work we've had done that some clean design also makes it far more transferable across all sorts of yes. mediums and all sorts exactly. of applications. When I yep. see a really complicated design, the first thing I'm yep. thinking is, how are you going to yeah. use that on a, I don't know, a social shirt or something? Yeah, exactly. Like, yeah. How is that going to yeah. work exactly? You know, yeah, that's right. Yeah. And, and sometimes I have seen design where it's got so caught up in the art Yep. That it stops being commercial. Yeah, that's right. And it, it doesn't talk about the brand. And like yeah. you've got to really stick to the brand because um, whatever brand for the product or service that you're working on, like that brand has to shine through. Yep. So that it's yep. not um, confused with the customer. Like you want them yeah. to walk away really knowing what that brand is saying and, and what that brand means to them. And that's, Almost you know, yeah. yeah. And it's like an emotional thing that they'll connect with that brand and therefore buy those products or services. They yeah, and I'd imagine, and of course, that that's not just um, shape or form. You know, that's color, all sorts of things. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, emotion. It's emotion. Mm. So yeah, gets you can get really deep into it with all the psychology. <laughs> psychology, of it. exactly. <laughs> yeah, it's fascinating though. Now, speaking of psychology, yes. the I you know this was quite a big change for you, and so you're going from your own business and an identity yes. of your own business, and then yes. And then studying, you know, being maybe a student, being a student, <laughs> yes. being, being almost a poor student, not a yes. part-time job. Yeah, part-time job. Yep. <laughs> I'm actually interested in how you found your friends, family, and you know, maybe previous colleagues around you. Did people yep. surprise you, good or bad, in terms of the way they reacted to that? Was there uh, some pushback or anything like that? I think they were all really supportive, which was wonderful. I was so yeah. lucky to have, especially my family was so supportive and my partner. Yeah. Um, they were really supportive, but I think uh, I think they worried about me when I was a student because I'm a bit of a perfectionist and, you know, I would be up till 3 a.m. doing assignments and then I'd be dragging myself out of bed at, you know, 5 a.m. to finish it off the next morning or, you know, it, there were some yeah. pretty long nights and 
you know, um, I was pushing myself a lot and I yeah. think I probably got a bit stressed towards the end of a big assignment just because I wanted it to be fantastic yeah. and that perfectionist part of me, which isn't necessarily a good thing, <laughs> um, you know, was I was pushing myself really hard and I yeah. think sometimes they were a bit worried about me, but um, yeah. it was all fine in the end and, yeah. you know, it was worth it because I think you have to, and especially as a mature age student and a, a second career, yeah. I didn't want to fail, you know. Yes. I didn't want to be one of those people who, oh, I'll try a bit of this. Ah, uh, well, I wasn't that good at it. Now I'll try something else. Like I really wanted it to work. So yeah. I was really pushing myself hard to make it work. <laughs> well, and I think often I see that, you know, people that are, oh, I'm going to give it a go and yeah. they view it as this big adventure, but they only put their toe in the water. Yes, and, exactly. And yep. you think, you know what, nothing you do would you ever succeed at if you approached it that way. I mean, riding right. a bike, you'd yeah. never actually end up riding the bike if you're like, yeah. oh, one wobble, I'm done, you know? Yeah, that's it. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's, it's got to be like persistence yeah. is such a huge part of that stuff. Yep. Yeah, it is. And yeah, I was so glad I pushed myself because I was really proud of what I did while I was at TAFE and what I did at TAFE helped me to get a good enough portfolio to get into the industry being paid to do what I wanted to do. Yeah. And then from there, like I look at my portfolio now from my student days and I'm like, oh my God, how embarrassing. <laughs> <laughs> but it was good enough to get me over that first, you know, doorstep. And yeah. once I was through that, then you keep working for different companies, you assemble a bigger portfolio, more yeah. diverse range, and then off you go. That it's, yeah. it's really getting that portfolio that looks good enough to get you hired in the first place. I think at TAFEs and colleges, they should really push that harder in a way because sometimes you see like when I was, you know, working in the last, um, not the job I've got now, but the job before that, I ended up being a studio manager and an art director for mm -hmm. a beauty company and I was hiring designers often and looking at young designers that were just graduating, looking at their portfolios and just thinking, yeah, this is just student work. It doesn't really look convincing. It doesn't look yeah. commercial enough. Yeah. You know, I felt like I wanted to say to their teachers, you know, push them more to, to get those portfolios up to scratch because otherwise how are they going to get a job? You know, yeah, how are they going to get into the industry? It's really important. When you are in a creative space, then mm. your perception of the value you add is in the creativity itself. Yeah. And not realizing that for those of us that aren't in that space, that our, our understanding of that is the physical thing you can show us. Yes. You know, right. so it's, yeah. so <laughs> yeah. it's, I get that it's up here in the brain. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. You actually, I can't work that out till I yeah. see something, you know, and, yeah. and it, it's so, so true. I mean, I, um, you know, as I engage with people in all sorts of things now from a creative space, even for the podcast, then yep. it's the history. Being able to just look back into the history yeah, um, can make a super duper difference. And yeah. even just to get a feel. Yeah, like You're totally. just looking for a bit of a flavour or a feel of somebody. And so yeah. Yeah, you're yeah. right. That portfolio becomes probably your biggest asset. As yeah, you that and how you interview, how you come across in an interview. Yeah. So um, being able to, you know, obviously be polite and respectful to the interviewer, but also to show a bit of your personality and a bit of yourself. Yeah. They don't want to hire someone who's just a robot, you know. Yes. <laughs> in, in the future, they probably will hire <laughs> robots, but <laughs> we're not quite ready for that yet. But, um, yeah. yeah, basically um, you need to be able to show your personality. And um, I've given a few talks actually at Inmore TAFE, at my old TAFE, oh, yeah. um, to students. Um, and one thing I always say is 
I really suggest you also look like a designer, you know, yes. like if you're going for a job interview, don't look like you're a, um, you know, accountant or a, you know, bank teller. <laughs> I'm like already one of those. I don't need to hire another one. <laughs> I'm sorry. <laughs> that was a bad analogy. No, it's a perfect one, but it's true. Yeah. I would yeah. struggle with that. If you, yeah. if you come or come in looking vaguely arty. Vaguely creative. <laughs> yeah. Like, you know, and even if it's not your style, like just do one little thing. I don't know, wear a wacky hair clip or something, but yeah. make, look like a designer, look the part because yeah. they look at you and first impressions count and you want them to think, oh, they look like they would have something creative to say, you know, and then, yeah, definitely show a bit of your personality in interviews and have a beautiful portfolio yeah. and also listen, you know, and that's one thing I noticed the younger, you know, 18 to 25 year olds that I was studying with, yeah. um, quite often they don't listen and they don't, um, you know, read like like I said they had difficulty reading a brief and understanding it and I think it's because they're used to whizzing through social media scroll 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 you know that yeah. attention span yeah. um they really need to hone in on that and, and concentrate and read something and really think what do they mean by that yes you know so What's the next question I need to ask What's yeah preempt a bit of stuff and yeah yeah, yeah. Because I imagine um, there would be an instance when you are young and starting, like the the concept of a bad brief would yeah. not occur to you. That's right. Yeah, exactly. You know, but we all yeah. know they yeah. exist. <laughs> oh, they exist, all right. I've seen plenty of them, but yeah. Right, and, and something yeah. can come out the other side and the... the <laughs> You know, the business is like, what the hell's that? What is that? That was well, nothing. I responded to the, what the hell was that brief? Yeah. Hey. yeah. <laughs> and the secret to get over that is ask questions. Correct. But a lot of the younger um, people are a bit nervous to ask questions. Yeah. You know, they don't want to speak up and ask questions, but you have to. Otherwise, yeah. that communication isn't there and goes out the window. Yeah, and it's an interesting, I've never really thought it through this far, but it's an interesting way we look at individuals and say restarting, yep. you're starting a new career. Yep. What's funny is that there's so many skills we have that we've fine tuned in our 40 something years yep. that apply to anything. Yeah. That's you know, I mean, they, they, any part of the world they can apply yep. to that. It's just finding a different yep. you know, way of implementing it. And yeah, so absolutely. the fact that we're not almost taking advantage of that, the fact that, that actually in a hiring process, it's not seen currently as the best candidate would be somebody who's actually in a second career. Yeah. I mean, it's sort of, to me, that makes more sense, right? Because like, yeah. wait a minute, I'm getting that and that? Yeah, like, it's kind of two for one. Exactly. <laughs> two for one deal, yeah. Exactly. Got, yeah, I think experience is something that, you know, it can't be learnt in a book or, you know, yeah. learn at tape. You've got to ex Just physically experience that. something, yeah. yeah, and how to handle people, how to manage difficult people, all of that stuff is experience. Um, so, yeah, like you said, like, you know, they get two things for the price of one. Yes. How can that not be a good deal? <laughs> Correct, and I think... Yeah. Um, you know, to any young listeners too, then it's something that when I see somebody who does really well when they enter the workforce, it's when yep. they look around them and just see people that they can just absorb that experience from. Yep. Like they just yep. see somebody a bit older as like telling yeah. everything. You know, yeah, that's, that's their it. approach. Yeah. It's not, yeah. you're older, what do you know? Yeah, yeah, uh, yeah. Which can be the case, not of everybody. Yeah. Can be. You can um, see that, yeah. Looking at you like, oh, you're yeah. a gym, I want to know yeah. more, you know, yeah. and vice versa. Yeah, you know, with, with younger, younger people. Yeah, I mean, I've learned so much from the younger people that I studied with. And, you know, I think, you know, I'm really in awe of, you know, of them as well. Like, you yeah. know, their, their experiences of growing up are so different from mine. Yes. And, you know, and, it, and it's not all 
you know, happy days. I mean, there's, you know, online bullying and social media bullying and all that kind of stuff. And that's, that's really different from when I was growing up. So yeah, there's, there's a lot to be learned from younger people and yeah, just their, their style and, you know, their music and the movies and the TV shows they watch, like, you know, they'd, they'd give me a list. Oh, you should see this. You should see that. Listen to this band. And I'd go away with the list every week. And then I'd come back the next week and say, Oh, I loved that one. Hated that one. But thanks you know, introducing it to me. Like I learned so much from them. It was really great. <laughs> yeah. And I think we, um, it's funny, isn't it? We, when we travel, we're all with suddenly our brain goes into open acceptance and, and I'll yeah. look at anything and I'll experience yes. anything. That's but right. It's much harder to do that in your day to day. So that's to, right. Yeah. Forced into an environment where, all right, yeah. then <laughs> yep. <laughs> yeah. I'll approach it this way. Yeah, that's it. But it's about opening your mind and yeah. yeah, being, being open to new experiences and things like that. Yeah. Yeah, well, to that point, as yes. we sort of wrap up, then <laughs> yeah. what is there a, you know, if, if, you know, you couldn't fail, um, yep. <laughs> is there, or, or <laughs> you could achieve anything or you could do anything or experience it. Is there something yeah. way out there on the dream list that you, um, there, you've always wanted to do or recently came up with? Look, I'm turning 50 this year. So I'm <laughs> starting to sort of think, all right, well, you know, sooner or later there'll be, retirement or semi-retirement or something like that so um obviously i want to push my graphic design career you know as far as i can yeah um, being an art director which i briefly did a year ago for a while i absolutely loved that okay. so i'd love to push my graphic design career into that art direction side yeah when i retire or semi-retire i sort of have this dream so have you ever watched Project Runway? Yes. Okay. You know how they're all in the workroom and they all create together and they're yes. a bit competitive with each other. Well, sometimes well, very competitive, really, yeah. but they also pick up skills yeah. and, te- you know, techniques from each other and collaborate. Yeah. yeah. So I would love to have, you know, a studio where people could come and I could have little workstations set up within the studio and people could come and create whatever it is that they want to create, whether it be fashion design, graphic design or art, but we would all be working on different projects and we would all sort of mentor and help each other in in a a non-competitive environment. So I think that could be something that could work, but you know, it's just my little idea at the moment. That's a bit exciting. Yeah. So it's, yeah. a, it's almost like a we work, but for creatives. Yes, exactly. You know, exactly. Yeah. Yeah. To go to and they can interact yeah. and, or yeah. and learn from that. each other and, you know, mentor. Like I've recently taught both my younger nieces how to sew. So one of them, yeah. I taught her when she was eight, she's now 17 and makes all her outfits for music festivals and all of oh, that stuff. Um, and the other niece, I started teaching her when she was eight as well and she's now 11 about to turn 12 and you know she can whip out a scrunchie in five minutes flat (laughs) (laughs) but um teaching them my skills um was really lovely for me and lovely for them so I sort of have this little dream of this we work for creatives but um you know on um not so much on a commercial level just on a a level of you know people that maybe don't have space yeah and or um you know with all our high-rise living and all of that these days you know people don't have the space in their apartment their city apartment to spread out and do their art or make dresses or whatever so having a space where they could go and do that you know in the company of others and get inspired i think that would be great so that's my dream for now (laughs) because it almost it almost um harks back to sort of sort of like the 70s when the yeah. the, the artists and the the real cutting edge sort of creative yeah. you know yeah. live in these sort of rundown houses in or rundown stones in new yeah, york that's right? it. yeah it's, yeah in this area and yeah, and they yeah. All influence 
influence each other and you can totally hear about these really famous people who are all basically yeah. living together. And it's yeah, like, yeah, like um, Patty, Patty Smith and Robert Maple, yes. photographer and yeah, stuff like that. Yeah, yeah, and, it, and you could see how there would be a lot of cross-pollination that would come out mm. of that. You get exposed yeah. to a different medium or, you know, something yeah. or somebody's That's different right. take and it could really yeah. sort of evolve and develop your own Yeah, skill. and across all ages too, you know, like mm. in, this, in this little utopia I'm imagining there'd be like 14-year-olds and 60-year-olds and, you know, Fantastic. everything in between. So, yeah. Fantastic. Oh, well, I'm excited to see that evolve at some point in the future. We'll make sure Thanks, we keep focused on that. We'll, uh, yeah. <laughs> I'll, keep you, I'll keep you updated too. That would be fantastic. Well, thank you so much for joining us, uh, Lisa. It's been lots of fun. And not no surprisingly, worries. we have touched all sorts of different things. Excellent. Um, and wonderful dreams. But I'm hoping, um, you know, some people out there listening have, have suddenly started to actually believe maybe, you know, uh, in your 40s sort of career change is possible yeah. um, and is something that you should leap on, onto and start investigating rather than just think, you know, no, nah, I just need to be the human hamster and just get back down, head down and, yeah. and keep on trucking. So thank <laughs> well, I highly you recommend much. it. I highly recommend it and just push yourself. It's worth it. Yeah. yeah. A bit of effort is a lot of payback. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. Yeah. And who yeah. knows what the payback is. That's what's That's exciting. It. It's, yeah. The adventure just continues. Thank you so much. All right. Thanks, Peter. <laughs>Isn't Lisa fantastic? And I've no doubt she's going to succeed in graphic design, given she's not only really talented. I mean, you should have seen my wedding dress. It was awesome. But she's also demonstrated such patience and persistence as she takes this huge leap. Now, I wanted to take a moment to highlight the way she managed to exit her previous business. As so often, I see people making really rash decisions about pretty big things like quitting a job without having really understood all the steps required to get them from where they are now to where they wanna be. And when we make those rash decisions, it often makes it far more difficult than it ever needed to, needed to be. By gradually downsizing the business, Lisa managed to actually find someone to take over the lease, find someone to purchase her stock and give herself the time and care to wrap up that part of her life properly. It just doesn't need to be all or nothing, folks. And sometimes simply by taking small but regular steps, we can actually end up with a much better outcome. So just keep that in mind. Now, if Lisa's adventure inspired you particularly, then head over to the show notes where we're going to be dropping in links to a whole lot of things she mentioned. And if you enjoyed the interview and want to know about new ones as they go live, then be sure to subscribe to the show on your favorite platform. Up next in our action tip segment, the wonderful Hayley Pierce and I chat a bit further about the challenge we face when we want to go adventuring in our middle age. Is the challenge real or is it all in our minds? So welcome, Haley. Thank you for joining us again. Lovely to be here. So having just chatted to Lisa, who, I mean, wow, starting a new career mm-hmm. halfway through life is... What a leap. Right? It's, it's crazy. And I mean, it was tangential. So she did go from a designer in one thing to a designer in another. But going back to tape yeah. as an adult... Distinct like a well-formed adult. The mature age student <laughs> right. strikes again. <laughs> the mess. Yeah. Um, I thought it was really interesting. And what then happened was I bumped into a friend of mine and um, told her about this sort of the conversation I just had. And her reaction was, ah, oh, I'm just too old to do that. 
Mm-hmm. And I thought that was an interesting reaction. Yeah. That was worthy of just talking through. Because I think I think lots of people have that reaction to a lot of things. Mm. It's a bit of an instinct, I think. It's it's throwing up the it's it would be easier to just stay in the comfortable zone, Correct. the comfortable lane. And it's essentially sabotaging yourself of any of amazing opportunity potential correct and to me like we talk a bit about um you know getting out of the hamster cage and Mm. sort of living you know and really leaning into adventure and i think this is like you say getting a bit comfortable in those bars yeah going you know but i know the cage i understand the cage (laughs) i'm comfortable i'm I'm comfortable (laughs) here i don't know if i want to go out there you know and i think so that reaction i think we've got to be honest with ourselves when we say that that there's very rarely a position where that's true. I can almost think of nothing where that is actually the case. There may be another valid reason, but that's not the actual reason. But I don't think being middle-aged is a justifiable reason to not have a go. I mean, when you're young, you don't necessarily have the money behind you. So, yeah, there's risk, but you're not as established. Whereas middle yeah. age, you, you've kind of got your shit together. Right. You maybe have a bit of savings. You might have kids, but you're much more established. So therefore you can take the leap. So by BSing yourself and saying, oh, I don't know, it's too late in life. Like, is it though? You're yeah, not 60. exactly. You're not. And and even at, and I'd argue even at 60, like it's, what's the real reason? Yeah. Like I think this is about facing the reality of your reaction Mm -hmm. you know and so is it that wow that'd be so embarrassing for me to walk into a university as an adult and be surrounded by you know teenagers and 20 somethings that that would be hard to deal with like face the reality of what you're actually reacting to yeah and even when you're looking at some things that are maybe physical so something oh I couldn't do that I'm too old okay what physically can't you do you know so I think it's facing the reality of it because It's such a poor, in this day and age, it's such a poor excuse. Yeah. You know, there's just, there's just absolutely no reason that you can't at least look a bit further. Especially when transitioning into something new, the first step doesn't have to be huge. So it could just be hanging out in communities in that field of work or an online course where you're in the safety of your own home and don't have to face the embarrassment of a classroom maybe. Um, But, you know, going to university doesn't have to be the first big hairy step no that might feel super intimidating there's the steps before that that you can sort of dip your toes in and get comfortable and I think I actually think if we're all I reckon there's two distinct reasons for that reaction there will be others but I think there's one of two reasons one is physicality yeah so we feel like well maybe I'm too old physically to do that and once again you can get fitter you can yeah you can lose some weight you can move more like I want to right so so you can do that that's steps you can take the second, I think, is I think we never lose our first day of school reaction to things. Mm. I think we hold on to this everybody's going to be looking at me thing. And the truth is nobody is ever looking at you in those situations because they're all worried about themselves. But also, <laughs> can you honestly remember your first day of school like no, right now? No. Exactly. There's <laughs> enough time between then and now that it's a blip in the entire journey. Correct. And we are all... Um, aside from somebody probably truly narcissistic who just plows through mm. all the rest of us uh, anytime something's new, whatever it is, 
are freaking out a bit as we go in. So acknowledge that, like look around all those bodies and yeah. go, they're all freaking out. A hundred percent. And owning that, like just say out loud, hey, I'm new here. I have no idea what I'm doing. Right. And that'll lead someone else to be like, oh my gosh, me too. I have a friend. Correct. <laughs> and the thing about learning new things particularly, so even starting a new career or doing some study later in life, you're much better at it. Yeah. You can assess things faster. You've got some you know, some wisdom behind you that can help you address things. You've probably got some work experience that will make a big difference. You know, so, it, I mean, I technically, technically believe we have an advantage. Yes, and, and the filter is higher. You, if you've got kids, you might have more skin in the game. So right. the decision has to be more well thought out than just if you're younger, you can leap. Yes. You can leap and, and just go with the flow. But when you are more established um, or older, you, you've got more skin in the game, so you've got to be able to be not certain, but back yourself a bit more. Correct. And so I think what it actually comes down to is um, taking the time to actually understand the adventure a bit better. Whatever it is, like you say, just find a way to put mm-hmm. your toe in a little. Yeah. Like do an online course or do a little version of it if there's a workshop for a day. Or if there's, yeah. Just find a way to ease yourself in because that's the way of tricking your brain into realising mm-hmm. this isn't the fearful environment you thought it was. But it's even looking at what the goal is. So, um, you know, changing career, people go, all of a sudden, I want to become a vet. There's a process to that. But having, there's the ideal plan of how it will go, have a parallel plan. There might be the non-traditional, slightly delayed with hiccups way so that you know if things don't go according to plan, that you were sort of prepared for it, that you knew, look, it might not be a perfect ride to becoming a vet or whatever it is you want to be but you sort of prepare for the fact that it's going to be a little bit bumpy. Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, there's lots, like you say, we, we, we give ourselves these absolute paths and don't even do that early little almost bit of research about ourselves as much as yeah. the, so the vet example is really good. So go and volunteer at a shelter. Yeah. Like, like do something that has nothing to do with the learning part of it and career part of it, but just embeds you a bit in that environment yeah. because we also create these things in our head as a certain picture of what it's going to be like, even as adults. Mm. Why don't you just check if it's the reality yeah. and just work it out? And A, you'll either find out that you don't like it yeah. or B, you'll you'll double down on the fact you love it and that'll give you some more momentum yeah. to move forward. One of the big roadblocks with it is not only the yourself yourself doubt but a little bit of subliminal doubt from friends yes. when you sort of chat to the friendship group and you go oh, I'm thinking of doing this oh it's gonna be a, yeah. a, a paycheck it's that place, isn't it it's that- and it all oh, have you really thought this through yeah. so really having something to say back to those people go yeah no, you're right it is gonna be a pay cut but I really want to give it a go yeah um backing yourself so that you can be prepared for those sorts of conversations I mean, there's always going to be people that are going to doubt you. At the end of the day, it's your job. You've got to live it every day. You've got to be comfortable with it. Yeah. So it's your opinion that matters what this. It is. And the other thing I'd say is also um, sort of leading on from that is do these things in your own way. So I had a comment the other day. I'm going back to um, the US in yeah. a couple of weeks and um, I'm going to go back to Dis- well Disney World instead of Disneyland because you've got to do Star Wars of again. Course. One time is simply not enough. <laughs> and they've got an Avatar world. Oh, okay, I mean. So I was chatting to somebody. It was actually at a business event. And they were sort of looking at me, like, really, Peter? Mm. You're going on your own as an adult? I'm like, yeah. <laughs> like, isn't it weird? They're the whole thing's designed for kids. I'm like, well, for starters, it's not. Yeah. Um, but also, I just do it in my way. Yeah. Do I buy candy, you know, and all that? No. I don't, yeah. like, I don't do the things that as a child would be equally as exciting <laughs> as the rides. 
I just go there. I pay the extra to make the lines fast because as an adult, I have no patience for that <laughs> stuff. And then I focus in on what I want to do. So just do it your way. Absolutely. It's a cheat-own adventure. It is 100%. Um, And I guess having said that, um, when, you know, last year I did go to to Star Wars and and Disneyland, I took a buddy. Mm -hmm. And I think for some of these adventures, to get somebody to come along for the first few things you do that that is your age, that can be a bit of that buddy in both experience and in age, mm. that's not the end of the world either. You know, and you'll have a bit of a giggle as things are a bit different for you than the 20-year-olds or the kids or whatever, <laughs> and you can laugh at yourself. And I think ultimately being able to laugh at our own reaction to those things is really important. Yeah. You know, so that we can sort of not take ourselves so seriously. Because what's happening when we go, I'm too old for this, is we're taking ourselves too seriously. You're robbing yourself of joy. You really are. You're robbing yourself of joy that you deserve. <laughs> you really are. And I'm not sure that I, when I look at the people that inspire me, um, you know, somebody like Helen Mirren as an yeah. actress, she's getting better as she ages. Mm. She's, you know, and and so, and the things she's doing, she's having a whole lot of fun. Like if, if you look at people like that and go, wow, isn't that awesome? You need to reflect on, well, what am I doing that means I'm restricting myself from that life? Yeah. You no, know, and this is one of it. I'm too old for it, you know? So, so yes. Yeah, so folks, I'd encourage you to ditch that. And if you're not yet in middle age, you never use that expression again. <laughs> is it used that much now? I'm not sure it's used. Middle aged. What really is middle aged anymore? Mm, yeah, I guess. I mean, I guess it was sort of your forties, but, but I guess just, yeah, get rid of the, I'm too old for this shit. Um, <laughs> thank you, lethal weapon uh, <laughs> uh, approach and start to sort of lean into those. And in, in fact, I'd argue when you say that, that should be the next adventure you should do. Absolutely. You know, just force yourself to lean into those. Well, thank you for your time, Hayley. No worries. We would love to hear if you have ever started a new career in your 40s or 50s like Lisa, or perhaps you've leapt into some other adventure met only for the young folk. So please don't hesitate to email us on podcast at zaptitude.me and share your story. That email address will also be in the show notes. Or if you're super keen to start building your dream list and kicking off some adventure in your life, then I would encourage you to head over to the Adventure Club Room. This is our private Facebook group and is basically a support group for action heroes in training just like you. The link to the group is also in the show notes for you. Now, we're coming to the end of today's episode and if you're a regular listener, you may have noticed that our popcorn adventure segment is missing. Now, this is where we review a movie for its inspirational content and its dream suggestions. Now, there's no need to fear. We're just deciding to change things up a bit for the podcast. Rather than making the episodes feel really long, we're actually going to do the popcorn adventure chat separately and share them via video. So keep your eyes peeled on our YouTube channel, the In Search of Adventure show. And you can follow us at In Search of Adventure show on Instagram, where we'll keep you updated. And last of all, folks, don't forget to keep your head up and your curiosity sharp because there's an adventure story out there simply waiting for its action hero to step up. And I'm pretty sure that action hero is you.